Have you ever heard John preach? There are lots of people named John in the Bible. There's the Gospel of John. I find myself quoting lots from the Gospel of John in these recent days, especially from the first chapter of John when he talks about light and light shining in the darkness. There found there some very important words to me, especially when the darkness seems to be growing so much in our hearts and around our world. John says something that I keep thinking about. The light shines in the darkness, and no darkness can overcome the light. As in the light of Christ, as in the light of God, the light of hope. That word seems so important to many of us in these days. The words of that John preach really well. There's some other people named John in the Bible. One person named John wrote three letters toward the very back of the New Testament. 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. Some people think that's the same John that wrote the Gospel of John, but nobody's really sure. There's another John in the Bible, too, a John from Patmos. John from Patmos was the one who had the magnificent visions, those visions that were recorded and give us the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And then there's another John who's actually pretty famous, John the Baptist. In these days, we are watching and we are waiting and anticipating and we are preparing for the coming of God. Jesus, you know, didn't just appear. The people were warned. The people were prepared. The people were alerted. And it was John the Baptist who played that role, announcing the Lord's coming. We find John the Baptist actually in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Listen to the briefest account of John found in the Gospel of Mark. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed... The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That's the John and his preaching that I'm talking about today. So what do we know about this guy named John? When Jesus was about 30 years old, another gospel, the gospel according to Luke, tells us that Jesus shook off the shavings from his carpenter's apron and folded it up and put it on 
the carpenter's bench and went inside and told his mother and his brothers and his sisters that he was leaving. He made his way southward into the desert, which is another translation for the word wilderness. Wilderness in the Bible is not usually like a jungle wilderness, wilderness like a Tarzan wilderness. It's It's a desert. It's a barren place. It's a neglected place. It's a wild place. John was preaching in the desert. Jesus was among the great crowd of folk who were drawn to the preaching of John. Jesus clearly was influenced by this desert preacher. According to Luke, Jesus and John were cousins, or at least their mothers were cousins, They were about the same age. John was seemingly about six months older. John's parents were Zechariah, a priest who worked in the temple in Jerusalem, and Elizabeth. John was a peculiar fellow, a Nazarite, one who was devoted to God, but who lived apart from society. John, as a Nazarite, didn't shave his beard. He didn't cut his hair. He lived in an unusual way, mostly in the desert. And it was in the desert that the word of God came to John, and Jesus went out to the desert to hear him preach, along with a lot of other people. And Jesus was baptized by John in the River Jordan. But John's preaching doesn't just stop there. A little later in the gospel story, John is arrested and John is put into prison. He's put into prison for stirring things up around Galilee. Actually, in one of his sermons, he told the ruler of Galilee that it was sinful for him to take his brother's wife as his own wife. So both the ruler of Galilee and his wife were so angry at John that they locked him up and put him in prison. And when word came to Jesus that John had been put in prison, then Jesus picked up this ministry and his preaching. And when the ruler of Galilee had John executed, killed, beheaded, Jesus' ministry took on much more momentum gained lots of energy. Jesus started preaching and teaching all around the region of Galilee. So John's preaching set the frame for Jesus' preaching. John served as a messenger, a messenger announcing the coming of God in Jesus. And John was a significant preacher, such a significant preacher. Mark says people came from all over the broad region. And he says all the people from Jerusalem came out to hear him. So that means plows were left in the field and bread was left in the oven and shops were left untended and schools were let out early because everybody was excited to go to the desert to listen to John, John the baptizer, John the Baptist. Probably some of the people were just curious wanted to see what this guy John looked like because he looked strange. They wanted to listen to the way he talked and 
he had this shaggy appearance and he ate locusts and wild honey and he wore camel's hair with a leather band around his waist and probably many of the young folks were just like i want to go get a look at this person but many of the other folks were obviously sincere and engaged and lured because it says they came from everywhere but imagine the scene there's no pulpit Maybe a stump. There's no chandelier. Maybe the stars of the heavens only. And there was the river Jordan flowing nicely by. Certainly no baptismal font. But what a scene. People gathering. And people listening. And people leaning in. And people being baptized. Even Jesus being baptized. And John's preaching, eh, it was no candle just burning softly in the sanctuary. It was more like a raging fire, his preaching was. Kind of like what we're hearing about in California. People are nervous. It's getting their attention. It's making people run and leave and do things differently. That is what his preaching was like. He was no gentle preacher trying to coax people with the good news of the gospel, trying to please everybody. John was there saying that the judge is coming and he's the one giving out subpoenas. He was saying it's happening and it's going to change life. That was his message. And still, even still, everybody's coming to hear him because they came from everywhere, it says. What was he saying that was so compelling? It was probably a combination of his authenticity. People seemed to believe what he was saying, and it was something about his appearance, which was quite unusual, all combined up with his message, which was actually getting traction. He was announcing in the great biblical tradition of a prophet that God was coming, coming soon, coming to change things, coming to transform things, coming to make things right. And this coming had instant and significant implications for everyone, all the people everywhere. John was announcing that God was indeed coming So if you have two of anything, you should share it with someone who is poorer, he was saying. He said, if you have two coats, you don't need two coats. Give one of them away to somebody who's cold and give it to somebody who's poor. John was saying, God is coming. So quit being violent and quit intimidating people and quit being greedy. John was saying, God is on the way. Think about your life. Time to get things straight. Get things in order. If you've been deceiving people, it's time to come clean. If you've been living a lie, it's time to be honest. If you've been harvesting grain and it's full of chaff still all mixed together, then it's time to separate the wheat from the chaff and This is the time when the axe is going to be laid to the tree. If the tree is not fruitful, cut it down. This is John's message. As we read, 
John preached a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That's what Mark says in our text today. He was giving everyone an opportunity to confess, to come clean, to be open to the realities of life and be baptized. Baptism is a sign of turning away from what we've been to what we should be. It's a, t- it's a start of a new beginning, going the right way, the way of God. He invited people to repent, to turn around and be more sincere in their ways of living toward God. It's all done, John says, because God is coming. John said, I'm not the one. The one that's coming will be after me. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. He's coming. No more deception. No more pretending. Time to get things in order. He kept proclaiming the one who's coming after him. He kept preparing the way. God comes. The real coming of God, then, the real coming of God, John reminds us, demands that we wake up. No more sleepwalking. No more dishonesty. Time to be real and be honest. We're to wake up to God, wake up to God's presence, wake up to God's plans, wake up to God's ways. Because our God comes. And He comes to bring life and light and joy and justice to you and everyone across the world. The point of all this, John's preaching and our returning to John's preaching is to remind us that we can never get to Bethlehem without going to the desert. We cannot really ever get to Christmas, real Christmas, without confession and honesty and turning around. John invites people to come and make an open confession. Confession in the Bible is always used in two ways. It's used to express faith in God. We confess our faith in God. We confess that we trust God and we seek to serve God. And it's used, secondly, like we used it already today in our worship, to confess our failings, to confess our shortcomings, to come clean about the ways we've drifted from God's purposes. We use confession to seek forgiveness and find new life. This is what John offered in the desert. In light of the imminent coming of God, it is important and essential to come clean, to repent, to turn to the ways of God. We've been seeing some of this coming clean seeking to make it right a good bit lately. Time Magazine's Person of the Year is not a person this year. Time Magazine honors the thousands of people across the world who've come forward with their experience of sexual harassment and assault. These women are saying, enough is enough. Time to make it right. All this brings helpful change closer to the kingdom of God when we're honest and when we're dealing with these things. 
If we're going to have a wholesome and a hopeful world, which is what God comes to bring about everywhere, we have to get things right. And that means bringing light to the darker places of our culture. God comes in Jesus. God comes in Bethlehem to inaugurate the fullness of God's reign. And the fullness of God and the fullness of God's reign demands bringing light into the harassment and abuse that lurks in the shadows. But there are lots of other places where we have to come clean also. We have too many people losing out in the growing disparity between the rich and the poor in our culture. And we have too many people still fighting in our society huge issues of racism. And we have continuing policies that do very little for those who need it the very most, like health care or immigration or other areas of life. We cannot go to Bethlehem without going through the desert without honest confrontation of real issues that keep us separated from God and God's ways and plans from just, for justice and joy for all people everywhere. John's preaching, friends, invites us to think about our own lives. Where are we out of sync with what God promises in terms of love and justice for us and those we know? What do we need to confess and turn around in order to really receive and experience the kingdom of God? John wants us to wake up. Wake up to God's coming. God's coming always has specific implications for our particular lives. And John's preaching also invites us as a community to think about our priorities, to think about our pursuits. What does God really expect from us as a community? How can we be faithful and more faithful in loving and serving that promotes the kingdom of God? God invites us through the preaching of John to wake up together to do God's justice, to follow God's plans for human life moving forward toward the kingdom of God. This can be hard, hard to hear, hard to appreciate for many of us. We've been so shaped by voices and systems that really, finally, hope things will pretty much stay the same because, you know, we have it pretty good. Or we feel like God can just come and make things just a little better, and that would be just great. Everything's okay. We just want it to be a little better, and that will be fine. But you know what? The whole Bible, in all the narratives, in all the prophecies, in all the stories, in John the Baptist, in Jesus, keeps saying something else. The coming of God demands not just a little bit of waiting so things be a little better. The coming of God invites us to wake up and be changed, be made new. It's always about real, deep, wholesome faithfulness, faithfulness to the kingdom of God. It matters what we do. It matters how we think about our lives in the world. It matters how we treat other people. 
It matters how we arrange our priorities. John and Jesus wanted to be converted. Converted to kingdom people. So that the kingdom of God can come in fullness into our lives, into our city, into our world. What if we keep working on that? Being really converted to kingdom people. People who actually trust God. And people who actually serve God in every moment. What about that? Trusting God in every moment that is ours. What about seeking to serve God faithfully in every moment with the people who come and go into our lives, with how we function on these streets? Our God comes. Our God comes to bring peace and wholeness and hope for everyone. And because our God comes, we're to wake up and we are to be at work. Wake up, be at work. Serving God, our God comes. May it be so. Alleluia. Amen. We believe, O Lord, help our unbelief and offer your great spirit to touch our lives, to convert us to the ways of faith, hope, joy, and justice following Jesus Christ. Amen.